Welcome to Living with a Disability, No Big Deal. This podcast is for people who want to learn how to thrive with a disability. It is also designed to share insights for those who have friends or family with a disability. Brad Gabrielson, our host, was born with cerebral palsy and uses a wheelchair for mobility. He is a North Dakota native and believes life is about managing challenges with understanding, mental toughness, and determination. Welcome to another episode of Living with a Disability No Big Deal podcast. My guest today is, is the one and only Greg Mall. How are you doing, Greg? I am fantastic, Brad. It's a new season, season three. We've got new music, as people heard. Uh, it's uplifting. It just it makes you want to get up and dance. It sure does, and um, I can't wait that we're going on the third year, buddy. Well, we are. This is uh, episode, I believe, uh, 51. Wow. Uh, or perhaps 53. Uh, yeah, so time flies when you're having fun. Um, we got a really exciting podcast today, man. I am fired up. Something that I've never even thought of was out there. Have you ever heard of a sensory-friendly stuff? Well, I've heard of, I've heard of it as far as uh, some of the disabled, you know, as far as a, a sensory room or whatever, you know, or a white room, you know, or, you know, where they can touch things and, you know, kind of, it calms them down, that kind of stuff. I've heard of a sensory room, but not a sensory garden. Okay. Well, I had neither, and uh, welcome, folks. Uh, another season, season episode one, season three. Wherever you're listening, I hope you uh, can enjoy the episode, take something from it, and of course, share with others. Um, essentially, what today is about is a couple's sensory friendly wedding, okay, in a garden. So, I thought, what's a sensory-friendly wedding? Now, I, I do know uh, what sensory-friendly is a little bit because we had our guest on, Jennifer Kappel, in season, I believe, two. And she said that uh, when she has guests over uh, who are uh, coming over for some kind of gathering, that she has to make sure that it's sensory-friendly, meaning that, uh, well, let's just, let's, let's just go ahead and take a look at what, uh, at what Webster says about sensory friendly before we get into this uh this article about this couple that had a wedding here sensory friendly toys okay here we go uh essentially it says what is the meaning of sensory friendly first know that sensory refers to any single sense However, it can also refer to any of your eight senses. I thought we only had five. Second, your senses include what you see, hear, taste, touch, smell. That's five. Likewise, they include your sense of movement, balance, and internal body sense. Internal body sense. So you have more than five senses. In fact, you have at least eight, it says. Uh, according to uh, sensoryfriendly.net. Meanwhile, friendly in this context means a change to the experience. Thus, the experience becomes more pleasant overall. As well, it has fewer challenges for the senses. For example, think of the expression, quote, less is more. 
Therefore, sensory friendly means the sensory experience is less. Thus, sensory friendly tries to be calmer. It tries to be pleasant. Finally, it is less intense or extreme. For instance, sensory friendly is less jarring to the senses, less bothersome to a single sense. More importantly, less bothersome to the senses combined. At locations or events, sensory friendly means less background noise. For example, background music is turned off. There will be fewer sudden noises, no announcements. Sensory friendly also means changes to lights. This does not mean the lights are off, but it does mean that there would be no bright spotlights, no flickering lights, no flashing lights. Sensory friendly is scent free as well. Finally, there are other changes that can happen. Modifications can be made for other senses too. They all help an event or location become more sensory friendly. Uh, meanwhile, there's help for people trying to find sensory friendly experiences. That includes people with sensory sensitivity. There are people who experience sensory overload in daily life. Sensitivity and overload is also a problem for their families and their friend group when they do things together. Many people look sensory friendly in everyday life. Additionally, sensory friendly businesses and organizations emerge every day and they do so around the world. The number of sensory friendly organizations is always increasing. Locations, events, products and services, toys are become sensory friendly. They all help people with sens sensory sensitivity and sensory overload. On the other hand, there are different phrases that describe sensory friendly. That is because sensory friendly people, no, sen excuse me, that is because sensory friendly helps people with different underlying conditions. Examples of this are anxiety, autism, concussion, hearing loss, PTSD, and sensory processing disorder. Uh, I would probably also add or add cerebral palsy to that because yeah. uh, of, uh, you know, loud noises and sensitivity, something like that. So, uh, that's my jumping concern, correct? Sure. Now, here's a list of words that may mean sensory friendly. So people can kind of understand when they see these terms that that's what it refers to. Accessible, autism friendly, calmer, calming, child friendly, children friendly, family friendly, kid friendly, inclusive, low sensory, multi-sensory, quiet environment, quiet zone, quiet space, relaxed, uh, sensory friendly, sensory free, sensory inclusion, sensory relaxed, uh, tranquility. So essentially, essentially, there are a lot of words that can describe that, but that's kind of the terms that have been put to the uh, meaning of uh, the sensory friendly. Uh, and lastly, Even go ahead. What was that, Brent? Even veteran friendly. Yeah, it says veteran friendly as well. So uh, I think maybe that ties into PTSD, but there's maybe other factors involved as well, huh? Yep, I would, I would assume so. Lastly, who becomes sensory friendly? The world is more busy, loud, and overwhelming. As a result, more people look for ways to enjoy life. In addition, people want to avoid sensory overload. This includes people with several conditions, disabilities, or challenges. More examples are anxiety, autism, concussion, dementia, PTSD. 
People with sensory sensitivity look for sensory friendly at home, at school, and at work, as well as things to do in their community. And finally, when they travel, being sensory friendly means people can find locations, events, products, or services that meet their needs. Furthermore, many organizations and businesses look for ways to help their customers. Subsequently, they want to build an accessible, inclusive location or event. Uh, finally, it is helpful to know that sensory-friendly, accessible, inclusive locations or events also helps their employees. Um, so pretty much learned a ton right there. Um, this article is from uh, 2020, so about two years ago. Uh, from sensoryfriendly.net and uh, under sensory friendly solutions. Uh, so anybody that's interested in learning more, how to get kits, resources, training, uh, different things, um, sensoryfriendly.net. What's your first kind of impulse on, on this, Brad? Well, like I said at the, at the beginning of the show, uh, I was aware of uh, sensory-friendly uh, rooms, you know. So, you know, because we, we had them back when I went to school at the uh, at the Crippler Children's School, you know, back. But that's when they started uh, experiment. It seemed like that's when when they started experimenting with uh, different. Uh, Different things like the lighting and uh, different rooms that, that you know for people to calm themselves down or whatever. You know, they got a little overloaded with uh, you know the sensory overload or whatever. So, like for autism, or, yep, or or behaviors or something, you know. Mm. So, so um, that's where I first. I uh, heard and learned more about it, and I'm sure I would learn a lot more now because you know they always there's always something new, you know. So you a person can always learn. Well, I certainly have had a lot to learn. And, you know, thinking about it, maybe I am not sensory friendly because uh, people, my wife. Uh, says that I have a loud voice. So perhaps I may have to be kept in another room by myself because. <laughs> and I know when we get together uh, with, you know, when you come over to my house and, or if I come to Fargo, um, sometimes you like to watch me jump. And all, well, you have to do is, and all you have to do is change the reflection of your voice. And there I go to the moon. <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I know I, I shouldn't do that. It's, it's not always on purpose, but sometimes it may be, but anyway, you know, it might be just me, but how often have you really heard the term sensory friendly over the last couple of years? Um, I mean, relating, you know, just whatever, heard, just heard about it. You mean on like on TV or radio? Just anywhere, anywhere. Um. Not very often, of course, you know, but, but I know, I know it's out there, but I, you don't really hear about it on, on 
any media or anything like that, you know, as far as the television, unless it's a story of something or, you know, that's brought up, but. Yeah, I mean, I, I wasn't really aware of it, to be honest. Um, I think basically hearing about it from one of our guests that, uh, you know, that that is actually an issue. So maybe something that's needs more awareness. It sounds like there has been some awareness because businesses, some, I don't know how many, um, or how many are even aware of it, you know, dentists, uh, doctors, uh, whatever, uh, of making their businesses sensory friendly. So there's probably a lot to learn there. Uh, I would be curious if I maybe went to my, my dentist and I asked, uh, are you folks uh, practicing sensory friendly uh, environment? And if they look at me with their mouth open and their eyes crossed and they glaze over, <laughs> then I know that uh, I'm in the wrong place. Yep. Um, but here, look, they've got, uh, they've got sensory friendly toys. Okay. They have kits. Yep. Uh, Many cool. sensory yep. kits. Let's go ahead and look at the kit descriptions here. Uh, it looks like there's a monthly subscription that you can get on and they release uh, monthly subscription themes. So it seems like uh, it really is a thing here. Uh, it looks like there's actually a thing here. I mean, you can buy a pizza parlor kit, garbage truck kit, mermaid kit, picnic kit, things like that. And I don't know how... They are sensory friendly. It doesn't really particularly say. It just describes the product. Uh, but again, what's what's different than selling this to the broad market or, you know, saying that Legos or Lincoln Logs or, <laughs> you know, um, Matchbox cars? I mean, is it where companies are taking advantage of that sensory free market or perhaps are they really geared to it? We need to learn more. Uh, we need to maybe effort uh, somebody to the product, to the, uh, to the website or to the, uh, to the show here, the program that uh, maybe can shed some light on it. So we can maybe better understand what this whole sensory thing is all about, because I have to admit, I am not uh, don't claim to be up to speed on it, but here, let's move along here. Come across an article here from uh, insider.com. And uh, I think that's basically a site where you can learn about different things, lifestyle, different categories. This one is under the lifestyle section. It came out, uh, you know, just about a week ago. The title is A Couple's Sensory-Friendly Wedding in an Idyllic Garden Included an Intimate Picnic, Earplugs, and Outdoor Games. Um, so let's kind of see what, what they said. I, I went over this. It's very interesting. Uh, kind of the bullet points are Ramona Jones and Aaron Gibson got married on September 5th, 2021. The couple planned a sensory-friendly day to accommodate their neurodivergencies. New word for me. Jones made a TikTok 
of the one-of-a-kind wedding that has over 15 million views. So uh, we could maybe point people to that as well. Um, they met when they were 15 years old. Um, uh, Jones, uh, which is Ramona, who uses she, they pronouns, and Gibson, who uses he, him pronouns, met through mutual friends on Bebo, which was uh, before MySpace. Mutual friend facilitated us, kind of set them up there. Uh, Jones is 28. Uh, they started dating back in 2009, got engaged in January of 2021, so about a year ago on their 12th anniversary. Jones and Gibson. Gibson's 29. They live in the UK with their dogs. Jones is a cottage core content creator. Do you have an idea what that is? Cottage core. Say that again. Cottage core content creator. I suppose that, that is like like um, certain things that to go like a like almost like an interior decorator. I don't know. Uh, you see it. Uh, you see it here. Short little views. Essentially, just uh, different landscapes, different events, people running, music. Uh, they might be in wedding dresses. A lot of them are basically look like bed and breakfasts or whatever. And so basically this was what she does. She is a content, a cottage core content creator and he's a photographer um, and a carpenter. Jones and Gibson knew they wanted their wedding to be sensory friendly. I'm autistic and Aaron has ADHD, Jones told Insider. His sensory needs don't really interfere with his life in the same way that mine do. So we prioritized mine on the wedding day. And she had she uh, was autistic. So basically they knew that a traditional wedding wasn't gonna wasn't gonna fit. You know, might be but I think that's very, very, very unique because you know. Um, but, um, he's got autism and then he, he's, you know, got a situation too. So, you know, uh, both of them each have a, a whole different realm so that they can work together, which is cool. And, you know, they're going to be, uh, and, and according to what I saw on the, on the website, the pictures that you just were showing, um, you seem to be very happy. So that's very, very cool. Yeah, and, and what I think is cool is I, I've really not heard of uh, things like this where, you know, when's the last time that you heard, Brad, of a sensory-friendly wedding? Have you ever? No. So obviously it must be a thing unless they're a cutting edge idea. Uh, right. Now she's only been like to four weddings in the past, but she knew pretty much pretty quick that she can't cope with them because of all the noise in the crowds. Okay. 
uh, yeah. being autistic. And then the unpredictability of the day is also triggering for them. And we know, have learned from talking with Maddie, uh, who is uh, the daughter of uh, Jennifer Kappel, who we had on in the past. Uh, at, she's autistic, a very bright, very well-spoken young lady. And uh, unpredictability was something that is a big factor for her. Yes. Uh, for example, uh, events, things, appointments, things coming up kind of unpredicted can kind of throw a wrench into things and um, cause her to have to go ahead and try to um, collect her thoughts and to really be interactive to try to calm herself down and refocus. Is that kind of what you got out of that uh, podcast with Maddie? Yes, that's, that's exactly it. That, you know, that, that it all depended upon the situation in this, you know, in the thing that she was working on at the time. So. Yeah. Uh, she said, it's kind of like everything about the day is stressful for me as an autistic person. So it's a management issue, it looks like. Uh, sounds like they just tried to make everything stripped back and calm and peaceful as possible. Right. So that she could cope with the day and not have any triggers, I guess is what I would call it. But um, so that's kind of how they went about uh, planning. Uh, But also they knew they didn't want to have a big party, you know, like, like many others have, not that it was really small, but they didn't want to have a party style reception. It was going to be different. Um, you know, she relates that she knew that the first bit would be a lot of emotions and a lot of build building up the stimulation yeah. of why they were interested in having a big reception. After I thought, and I thought after that, it has to be quiet time for both of us. So Aaron was fine with not having a reception. Uh, they actually had a luncheon in a garden, uh, which really gets really interesting. Uh, they kept their guest list small. Crowds were one of the most important things they wanted to avoid. So they chose a small venue. It only had 18 seats. Okay. She was having a small venue because we could say to people, hey, I need to not have back crowds, have crowds, and the venue can't hold people, basically. Right? Right. Uh, the first word that comes to me is intimate setting. Yes, that was very intimate. Um, so they invited 18 family members and uh, they started the day by getting ready at home, surrounded by friends. So it sounded like it was a whole day of it. Uh, a lot of friends helped uh, of the vendors made her and Aaron more comfortable. They were friends and they knew what my needs were. So evidently reading between the lines there, she was working with wedding vendors that were sensory friendly now what do you think about that that's something that uh, again seems like uh, very progressive i wonder uh, i wonder Greg, how much a wedding like this would actually cost if it's cheaper or more exp- i wouldn't think of it as more expensive well it's probably going to be cheaper from the 
from the one standpoint that there's no reception. You're not hiring anybody. There's not a lot of people. You don't have an open bar. You don't have to rent the facility. So I imagine that's cheaper right there, right? Right. Maybe they didn't even have to pay for the facility. But but maybe on the other hand, it all depends upon what a person wants. In their, in their, in their situation, because of their disability, this this worked out. Maybe maybe somebody else wants to have a sensory um, thing, but wants the whole kit and caboodle. You know what I mean? That might you know. It all depends upon the the person. You know the people. But you know, it could be more, I suppose. But it it would be interesting. Maybe you and I should start something like that, Greg. <laughs> what? On a set up century weddings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it probably would uh, would depend on a lot of factors because autism spectrum. I mean, it's from A to Z, so it's going right, to be right. probably unique for every individual. I think I would guess. Yeah. I would yeah, have to I would, assume. I would guess correct. So on the morning of the wedding, she got ready at home, right? Because it's familiar. Put them at ease, kind of that that deal. Uh, her sister was the photographer uh, and another friend um, and their videographer friend kept them company. Another friend did their hair and their sister's friend Bean and Bear did their makeup. When she did the makeup, she was really communicating a lot. Uh, She said about the people that were doing it, who also gave them a fidget toy to use throughout the wedding day. And a fidget toy, of course, is uh, anything that, uh, you know, you can squeeze, turn, click. You know what I mean? Yep. So she knew exactly what was going on, which she appreciated. So there was a plan, right? There were no unexpected surprises, things like that. And the people were aware as well. Okay. She didn't have to explain herself because they already knew her. And that was a really big help. Uh, being at home, getting ready was nice. Uh, my, a friend that was doing my makeup brought a dog around to calm me down. Uh, she also took quiet breaks throughout the morning, which prevented them from getting overstimulated. So it sounds like she has to pretty much actively manage, you know, the situation rather than just, uh, you know, something that's occasional or whatever. Yeah, yeah, but do you think do you think that's kind of would be more of a chore to manage something like that to manage your your daily routine like like that so you make it through the day without being overloaded? Well, it sounds to me like uh, the whole event. You know, a, you know, it's a big event. It's stressful. Yeah. It's it's. Uh, well, I wonder. I wonder if she has to do that on a everyday basis to kind. Of, because so she don't get overloaded and easier, you know what I mean? I would have to assume, uh, in kind of knowing, yeah. you know, people that have it, that it is kind of something that uh, it's a, you know, they manage throughout the day, you know, on a daily basis, because it doesn't go away for a day and come back. So uh, she intentionally wore an updo to the wedding. Okay. Now, I've never heard of updo, but evidently that's where you're, hair is up actually 
it's because if it's windy, she said her hair can be a big trigger if it hits me in the face. Okay. And so people, people, people aren't really aware. It's like, what's her deal? You know, but again, we go back to the word trigger and we have no idea what triggers something unless we know, uh, you know, that they have that condition such as autism in this case uh, to be aware of it. Okay, she picked a wedding dress with comfort in mind, which, wow, that is a smashing dress, is it not? Yeah, it sure is, boy. She's in style. Long sleeve gown, had a full tully skirt, lace detailing, and a low back. She liked the features of the gown. She didn't, she liked that it didn't cling uh, because some of them felt tight. So I suppose feeling restricted. Um, it didn't bother me as much as a lot of the other dresses. And I think that was just because there was less fabric on the top and the bit on the bottom was just so big and fluffy. Uh, however, <laughs> she said she still uh, said she had to change into sweats as quickly as she could after the celebration was over. So sounds like it was uh, something that she could put up with, but not something that she really enjoyed being in. So even such things as clothes comes into play, Brad. All right. She wore heels. Uh, she later changed into sneakers right away, but she said the, snooze anno- uh, the shoes annoyed her. And they changed into the, uh, into the sneakers right away for the Jones also wore earplugs. Now, why would you wear earplugs? It sounds like she often wears them, you know, in large crowd, large crowds because it kind of keeps the edge off. Uh, It doesn't normally stop me from having a sensory overload, but it means I can tolerate an extra hour at an event. So it gives me a bit more time and resource. So it kind of extends the window of, uh, the window of uh, of what? Of the, the, uh, I suppose the time for an event that they can stand without having the sensory overload. Sounds like sensory overload. Uh, has come up quite a bit in our discussion already here when we talk about uh, sensory friendly and sensory overload and stimulation and all of that. So, all right. She traveled to the ceremony in a convertible. Why a convertible? Uh, That's her favorite car. Okay. Jones rode to the wedding venue with her sister while her friends went on with their days instead of attending the wedding. It was nice. They understood. They were all lovely. And they were like, we're glad we could be a part of your day without stressing you out. Um, She was worried about it, that people would say, why aren't I invited? You know, what's up with that? I'm your friend. What what gives there? I mean, I told you I was going to bring you back that that sweater I loaned. What's up? What gives? But they all pretty much got it. Um, So it took place earlier in the day. At 11 a.m. at the sanctuary of Abbey House Gardens, again in the UK. Um, so because it took place in the morning, the wedding was over about five. And they were then able to decompress for the evening. So, you know, morning, afternoon, uh, pretty much get it over and get it done. Uh, he, Gibson, wore a flower crown that matched uh, her crown. So 
dual crowns on their head, floral crowns. What do you think of that? That looks pretty cool, man. That's cool though. You gotta. Yeah, you gotta you gotta give a shout out to them. Uh, yeah. For the crown, because uh, if you do go to that website, you'll see that uh, I think there's a couple of great shots with him. He's got long brown hair, shoulder length hair, and he's got the flower crown on his head. So kind of cool. It's something I think I'm gonna that I would wear. I mean, I might try coming into work one day with the floral crown on my head. And just see, just see what I get. Yeah, and, you're uh, getting and I'm just going to go ahead and say, look, it's sensory friendly. So back off. Uh, <laughs> what else do they have to say about this? Uh, they have some great pictures, you boy. Fantastic. Fantastic pictures. They uh, did the crown earlier in the day. Uh, she visited the space in advance of the wedding. The day before, she went and visited with a friend who did her hair so we could spend some time in the room and see how the seats would look, familiar familiarize ourselves with it, kind of become familiar with the space, you know, so there weren't any surprises, I suppose, huh? Yep. Uh, we <laughs> called it my hen party in the end because we just took some time, uh, flowers and decorated candles and so on and so forth. Uh, and they kept the ceremony short. Now, how short is short? Uh, 20 minutes. It was a blur, she said. I remember holding Aaron's hands. And that's really about it. <laughs> uh, immediately following the ceremony, they headed to the garden. Okay. Mingle and play games. Uh, one of the things here looks like a absolute giant, probably an eight foot by eight foot a quilt size checkerboard. Where you move the uh, checkers with your feet. See that, Brad? Yep. Uh, oversized checkers and Jenga. Uh, the games were helpful because she said it took the pressure off having to socialize with everyone. It was kind of a, a social event rather than having to, you know, socialize with each and every person. Uh, she said the plethora of conversation can be tiring, very tiring. Uh, she said, I was just so tired. Uh, they said, I didn't know what to say to people. So it was quite tricky. So it sounds like some socializing, you know, is also part of it, Brad. Guys, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would think that would be very difficult. Now, I, I personally can't. Uh, relate to that because I am very social and uh, my wife said you talk to a telephone pole if there was nobody else there to talk to and I said you know what I've done that I've, I've actually done that uh, so for me it's really hard to hard to imagine what that was like uh, after the yeah. break uh, you see her laying here on the on the grass in the garden and said she had to take a quick break after the ceremony, she remembers thinking, I know we don't even have a reception, but I've got to get through four hours of socializing and felt like, oh my God, I'm so tired. I need a break. So she lied down in the grass in the garden. And if you look at the photo, she says it looks very serene and calm. But at the time, my head was going nuts. So there she is lying on the grass. They're beautiful. Beautiful ladies. 
floral, beautiful lady, beautiful floral head thing, beautiful dress. And she's just lying there shielding the sun with her, with her hand, just trying to sort things out. Uh, uh, at a garden party style luncheon. Look at there. Very beautiful, uh, very long table. Uh, looks like eight chairs per side, two on the end. Uh, candles, uh, dinnerware uh, outside. So um, intimate, yet outside, calming, probably. Um, and she said that meals have been dis difficult for them at the past in weddings because the menus are full of unfamiliar foods. Okay. So once again, we go to a what? Food is a what? Trigger. A trigger. A trigger. Uh, we didn't have a fancy three-course meal. We had a buffet-style picnic so people could help themselves, which was nice. Okay. Uh, it was actually a plant-based meal. She said they intentionally sat at the end of the table rather than in the middle. And if you look at the table... It's got about uh, 16 guests. And then uh, they, of course, are at the end of the table. Now, it looks like they're not at the very end. It looks like they're just at the end of the table on the side there. The high volume of weddings can be difficult, so they made sure it wouldn't be too loud. We had our phones controlling the music. So we could change that if we needed to. Pretty cool. A smaller amount of people and having them outdoors made it a lot easier too. So it sounds like an environment that's not really, uh, you know, if it's inside, I'm sure it probably has more, you know, it's louder, you know, yeah. conversation, the whole thing. Uh, they sat at the end of the table to further control the noise. One of the easiest ways that I get overwhelmed at mealtimes is if I'm sat in the middle of the table, and there's noise coming from both sides. I find it hard to keep up with the conversation already. But if there's another one, I just can't distinguish between the two that I can't talk. So it appears that, uh, you know, she's not engaging, which if you don't understand, would say, boy, she's quiet and shy. But when in reality, she just can't keep up with the conversation. Yeah, that, that must be rough, though. Well, yeah, because essentially she is planning every action to accommodate their her need. And sometimes every reaction. Pardon me? And sometimes she's protected from every reaction, too. Sure. So, yeah, so far we can see, you know, sensory friendly is... Uh, not something just as no flashing lights and no loud horns, right. but it even goes to the seating. Yeah. She was thrilled the outdoor celebration got to happen at all. We weren't sure if it was going to rain because the forecast said rain and the skies were really angry. But after the ceremony, it came outside and they put the music on and it played Mr. Blue Sky. Uh, that's a song by who, Brad? No, I'm not really sure. That's a song by ELO, the Electric Light Orchestra. Hey there, Mr. Blue. Ring a bell at all? Uh, no, it does. Oh, stop. 
stops. Boy, boy, you're a heck of a singer, buddy. You you can just turn the music on. All the pipes. The pipes are there, man. I I can bring it. I can bring the game. You can. Uh, can. (laughs) She said it was magic. She was exhausted, but like, oh my God, that's amazing. She said the song reminded her of her mom and the clouds just parted and it was blazing sunshine the rest of the day. And what was helpful is her husband, Gibson, was a big source of support throughout the day. She was watching over her a lot of the day and making sure she was okay and helping with the conversation. So that was really good. Uh, And they got to spend their wedding evening alone. Uh, they had takeout. So they had takeout, got home, uh, took the photos. The guests left around 5 p.m., spent the evening alone at the venue, soaking in the first few hours of marriage. So they got the whole garden themselves, kind of like a Garden of Eden type picture. It's painted there. Yeah. Uh, there's this really nice old library, and the owners filled it with candles. We just had a takeout surrounded by candles. And it was lovely. It says it was one uh, one of her favorite parts of the entire day. You know, they didn't spend much time together, she says, while the guests were there. So at the end of the day, the feeling was a relief and being able to just chill out, be together, and just take it all in. Jones made a TikTok about their sensory-friendly wedding that went viral. In fact, like I said earlier, over 15 million views. 15 million and 3 million likes. I mean, how do you do that? I mean, there's billions, billions of videos on TikTok. And she essentially put a video on uh, how we had a sensory-friendly wedding. Hashtag actually autistic. Hashtag actually autistic TikToks. And, at, and hashtag neurodivergent. Wow. And then you can go ahead and click the video. It's right there in the article. Uh, goes through the whole uh, experience. So uh, they were very pleased, she said, of the TikTok, got positive response with others with neurodivergencies. And they added that they were pleasantly surprised that neurotypical people were also drawn to their laid-back nuptials. It was interesting how many people resonated with the video. Lots mm-hmm. of people commented, and they're like, I'm not autistic, but this would really help me for this reason or that reason. And I just thought it was a really nice thing. It kind of unified people. You ever had a video, Brad, that uh, went viral and had over 15 million views? No, I haven't. You know, I once made a video that had 12 views and I was ecstatic. I'm like, man, I'm viral. Is that viral? I asked my uh, grandkids. I said, I I made a video that had 12 views. Was I going viral? And they just laughed at me and said, no, grandpa, that's not viral. That's not viral. (laughs) Uh, And she says, hey, don't feel like you have to follow wedding traditions that don't work for them. You know, I mean, I can imagine that people who maybe aren't as uh, progressive as her and that have neurodivergencies may be just gutting it out. You know? Yep. 
with the sensory overload and different things? I mean, you know, isn't it possible that people with uh, neurodivergencies, things like autism, may not even be aware of uh, the different aspects that could be involved in a, in a sensory-friendly wedding? Or, I mean... Yeah. Do you think dealing about it? I mean, until the until uh, you sent this to me, I mean, I, I wasn't aware of it really. I knew of like I told you earlier about the room and stuff, but I didn't know that they went into such detail, you know, about you know, making the wedding, uh, you know, and, and uh, you know, I think it's very very cool. And I also think that maybe there's a lot of uh, uh, disabled person or autistic people who like just want to get married, but they don't know when how to do it without just going to the judge or having the judge or having the judge come to their house. You know, they don't really have a wedding like these two did. You know, they never really probably never thought of it. You know, as uh, as she had thought the whole situation out, but like you said at the beginning, each, each situation could be different. So, yeah, you know what I what, what another thing I take out of it when I go through it here is uh, you don't know, you can't tell by looking at people. No, you can't. If what they have, if you know if they have issues, if they have a disability, because certainly she's very beautiful, right? Yes, she is. Looks normal in every way. Yes. Not not normal, but you know what I'm trying to say here. Right. Quote, quote, unquote, normal. So you just don't know. It, it uh, basically provides awareness that disabilities aren't just like me and you. Spinal cord injury in a wheelchair. Yep, disabled, clearly. Uh, Brad, yep, CP, I can tell he's in a wheelchair. Yep, and the way he you know, speaks, his legs are, yep. Mm -hmm. But when you run across a person like Jones, that just goes to prove that, uh, you know, it's disabilities of all kinds, seen and unseen, which is kind of one of the, the big factors that we high point on the program. Uh, they actually got positive feedback from people that says they normally dread weddings, but they weren't dreading hers. And that uh, she said, I feel like it benefits everyone if you can drop some of the traditions and the expectations and have it be, if it works for you, a bit lower key. Jones told Insider they love how accepting Gibson is. Okay. They've known each other since they were teenagers. Uh, but he's given Jones freedom grow into her adult self with ease. He's not afraid to drop traditions or norms. And if you tell him something that's maybe abnormal, he doesn't question. They said they really notice, noticed his accepting nature when they were diagnosing, diagnosed with autism in, in adulthood. I was diagnosed with autism last February. But I'd known for a while before that, they said. A lot of people go, well, there's no way because you look feminine or you talk or you've got good friends and all of these misconceptions, but he doesn't. She went on to say that she thinks Gibson is so accepting because he is neurodivergent himself. Neurodivergent people are quite good at not worrying so much about the social norms and categories. So if someone brings something up that's seen as an, uh, a bit too taboo, unusual, you won't judge. 
You can also follow them on TikTok and Instagram. It says when they were diagnosed with autism in adulthood. So I'm not sure, uh, I'm not sure if that means that Gibson also. That's the way I would take it. That they both have it. It said she, he's not afraid to drop traditions. And if you tell him something that's maybe abnormal, he doesn't question it, Jones says. They said they really noticed his accepting nature when they were diagnosed with autism in adulthood. Jones told Insider they love how accepting Gibson is. I'm not sure who they is, but maybe it's everyone. The friends, maybe? Yeah, yeah, that could be. Uh, when they were diagnosed with autism in adulthood, I was diagnosed with autism last February, but I had known it for a while before that, they said. A lot of people go, well, there's no way. I mean, you're pretty, you look feminine, or you could talk, or whatever. So I'm not sure who they are, but it sounds like he may also have, uh, could, I'm sure you could, well, of course. I mean, isn't ADHD kind of a big part of the autism? Well, it's, it, it, um, because Maddie, who has it, told us that focus is a big issue. Yeah. In her situation, but, uh, but, you know, like uh, autism varies from person to person, too. So, Well, that's true. I, I remember she related that uh, she was in college and, uh, you know, did some remote and some in class. And that mostly was on her own because uh, of her special needs and the fact that uh, the same work or projects, whatever, uh, took her a bit longer to complete and they accommodated for that. Yeah. So, uh, wow. I kind of have sensory overload myself right now reading all this. I mean, what do you, what do you take from, uh, from this situation and from the whole, uh, you know, condition itself? And I've, how I've learned a lot. I know that in the last um, days that we did some research on this and and even now, just doing that, talking about it, you go, wow, look at these pictures. Wow, she's gorgeous. God, look at, look at that gown. All those thoughts come in my head, you know? And, and he's a, he's a real man, you know? And, uh, you know? So, you know, really, to me, um, I'm just so amazed that they they did their own thing, you know, because normally that doesn't happen at weddings, you know what I mean? Everybody everybody has a dance, everybody has, you know, where they, where they have the, you know, where they have that uh, dollar dance with the groom and the bride and all that stuff, you know? Well, I think, yeah, it's, uh, you know, the thought of these are the things that you do. You do this, 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 and this. And there are expectations that are placed on you rather than things that you choose. You know, I mean, you say, we're not going to auction off the garter. People look at you cross-eyed and say, well, what's wrong with you? 
ways. You know, you don't want to break. You don't want to break the 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 ordinary situation. You don't want to break the you know the tradition tradition. So that's that's the way you know. It's always been. We got to keep it up that way. You know, that's what people think. But this is a repression way of having a wedding. Well, I think the takeaway is, uh, I think the takeaway is, uh, you know, do what you want to do, you know, do what's comfortable for you. Don't, don't follow what others or traditions really is what I took out of it is norms and traditions, throw them out the window. Right. It's your day. It's your day. And your, uh, uh, bride or groom's day. So do what you want to do. Yeah, do do whatever works for your particular deal. I mean, there's millions probably of weddings, you know, involving neurodivergent couples. Mm-hmm. So I think I think it's something that's uplifting. It's inspiring. Uh, I think she's an inspiration to others. That uh, I mean, she looks very happy. Um, mm-hmm. And today, surround yourself with with friends and people who understand. Um, and it can be an absolutely phenomenal, phenomenal experience. So I don't know. It just caught my eye. Uh, hadn't really done anything on sensory friendly, you know, kind of a new topic to me anyway. So I learned a lot about it. So that's what I have to say about it, Brad. Yep. Well, that wraps it up for another episode of uh, Living with a Disability, Brad, I think. So... Thank you for listening to another episode of Living with the Disability No No Big Deal podcast. And uh, thanks a lot, Greg, and for participating today. And uh, we'll talk to you all next week or next time. God bless. And see you all next time. Thank you. God bless. Thank you for listening to this episode of Living with a Disability No Big Deal, sponsored by Roller Ramp. This podcast features Brad Gabrielson, who encourages everyone with a disability to live life to the fullest. Rolleramp is a global company based in North Dakota, dedicated to helping people find solutions to accessibility needs. We hope you'll join us again next time on Living with a Disability, No Big Deal.